Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Good morning, church. Wonderful to see you guys. Uh, we continue our series of messages called the means of grace and by means of grace we basically are talking about things that all Christians have been doing for centuries and sometimes they call them spiritual disciplines sometimes they call them uh, how else do they call it spiritual practices we're talking about prayer we're talking about reading your Bible regularly we're talking about praise and worship we're talking about meditating on the Word of God but we do not want you to think of those things as something uh, as you have to do as a to-do list to please God. No way. Please don't. Never do that. That's a religion. The, the gospel is different. The gospel, just like Derek said, I am so happy that God began to reveal to me what the gospel is several years ago. Because I've been Christian since 1992. Oh, what is it? You do the math for me, 20-some years. But only around the year of 2000, and I know some of you are like, oh, you're already not listening to me. You're like calculating. <laughs> you're so funny, guys. I'm going to tell you stories about you one day. I'll write a memoir. It's so fun to be pastor. It's so fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad Neil invited me to join him in this venture. Anyway, uh, <laughs> oh man, this is one of the messages that I, I'm kind of, I've been in this place several times with this church. This is one of those messages that the Lord like kind of gave me the burden, but didn't give me the details. He said, like, go get them. <laughs> okay, Lord, so I'm here and I'm talking about something that I don't think I've ever spoken about in American churches, in English language, and I don't, may not may not be even remember anything from my Russian past. And again, those of you who don't know, I'm originally come from Russia. That's why you detect this accent. I wish I would have an accent like Lily has. I tried. Doesn't work for me. I'm a butcher of English grammar. Anyway, uh, so I want to talk about praise and worship today. Praise and worship. What comes to your mind when you hear words praise and worship just first thing that comes to mind you don't have to answer but just register what comes to mind and most likely some of your christian music christian radio station what's the famous uh, radio station our k-love encouraging whatever uh, yeah i don't remember the uh, slogan so or maybe sunday service like you immediately you, you you hear praise and worship and you think of times like this which is great but praise and worship is so much more than this. Praise and worship is a secret weapon that God has given you and me to see real changes, positive changes in our life, where the darkness is driven out and the reality of God comes in. That's the essence of praise and worship. So... I know a lot of people struggle with the time when Christians worship together and praise because they don't understand the spiritual significance of that. So my 
goal today is for those of you who know and understand to remind you, to remove the tarnish. And for those of you who don't, to, to show it to you, to show the significance of this. Praise and worship is not just making noises and sounds. It's shifting the atmosphere. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. All right. So generally, let me give you working definitions of what praise and worship is. It's a kind of a prayer, basically, in which you're not asking for anything from God, but you acknowledge God and certain qualities of His nature known to you. His goodness, His care, His provision, that He's your healer, He's your provider, He's your protector. And there are times in life when we really need God as our protector, right? And you begin to acknowledge Him as your protector in this situation. Instead of being fearful and scared and oppressed by this fear. That's the essence of worship. So praise and worship can be quiet. It can be like reflective prayer. I love sometimes just to calm down. To calm down the noises outside. To calm down the noises inside. And to turn my heart's eyes to the Lord and to begin to observe Him, to behold Him. But sooner or later, if you do that, something begins to bubble up. <laughs> and you begin to say things. And you begin to speak. And you begin to become loud. And you begin to sing, even if you have no ear for music. It's fine. That's praise and worship. And my intention today is to show you what worship is and to show you the, how important it is for us. So biblical words that are used in the Bible for praise and worship. Uh, in Hebrew, it's a word that is pronounced as shaka, which means to bow down, bow down, prostrate oneself, or worship. This term appears frequently in verses related to worship, reverence, and bowing before God. If you read the Old Testament, you often read this phrase, the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean you're terrified, you're, you're jumpy. No, it means you have this awe, oh, this reverence in your heart. All right? In the New Testament, I like the New Testament word a little better. It's word translated as worship. It's, it's pronounced proskuneo. And basically, it comes from an image when somebody important is sitting and you come close and you reach out and you kiss this person's hand. Come close enough to kiss. I love that. You know, sooner or later, the book of Song of Songs should be a description of our experience with the Lord. That's a free bonus. I didn't plan to mention it, but this is important, guys. I think it's Augustine who said, our soul is restless until it's, it finds rest in you because we were created for you. I, I may change, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it's a beautiful, beautiful saying. So my working definition of praise and worship is this. It's a heartfelt recognition and it's an open expression of the importance, significance, high value, goodness of something or someone. 
I'll say it again. It's a heartfelt recognition of an important and an open expression of the importance, significance, high value, goodness of something or someone. Few things I would like to establish from the outset. Well, first of all, praise and worship originates in your heart. True worship flows from the heart. And that was the biggest problem in the Old Testament times. Over and over again, God said, guys, the best thing that can happen to you will happen to you when you worship me with your whole heart. And Israelites tried, but they failed over and over and over and over again. There's a scripture in Isaiah 29, 13. It says, and the Lord said, because these people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me, remember what fear means, I just told you, it's this worshipful reverence. Their fear of me is commandment taught by men. It's, it's a fabric, it's a human fabrication basically. So, here's the tragedy. Old Testament people tried to worship God, but they often failed and couldn't because their heart was not in it. Today, so many Christians find themselves in a similar situation. They come to services, they open their mouth, they sing the words, they say the words, they make noises, the heart is somewhere else. And listen to me, I'm not a preacher of condemnation, you know me. If you begin to trace uh, tinges of condemnation in yourself, that's just a sign that religious toxins are still flowing in your system and you need to be detoxified. Amen? All right. So, I want you to, don't take it as a condemnation. Take it as a diagnosis. Because I often find myself not engaged on a heart level in worship. And I, I wonder why. And you know why? Because we don't do it right. And it's an easy fix. Well, first of all, I need to tell you that everybody knows how to worship. Every single person. Even a non-believer knows how to worship. If you don't believe me, go to any sport game, go to any concert, go to any company of friends that are talking about which restaurant is better. You cannot not praise and worship something because we were hardwired. We were created to be worshipers. We are created to be uh, kings and priests who would walk around and tell, this is good, this is good, this is amazing, this is wonderful, this is not so good. <laughs> we can't live otherwise. So don't, don't, don't be concerned, don't be nervous. I'm not going to take away your sports from you. I'm not going to make you feel guilty about your Ohio State enthusiasm. Don't worry about it. I, I just want, you're welcome, Neil. I just want you to understand that like this is how you're wired, this is how you exist, but this is also how it messes things up if you don't do it right. So we become alive when we praise and worship something or someone. Have you noticed that? I sometimes have a hard time waking up in the morning, but when I come to church to speak about Jesus, I wake up. I become alive and I make you alive, at least some of you. Amen. Amen. Yes. All right. So I remember, I, I mean, maybe I've shared this story with you. I went to this church. Somebody invited me to preach in that church. And I 
went to that church, and it was a frozen chosen church. I mean, the worship started, they were doing this. And then I started preaching. And I'm not one of those speakers who can speak to people who don't listen. I will shut up if you don't listen. I'll come down and I'll like, hey, hello, I'm here, I'm talking, are you listening? So I, I need to have a contact with the audience. And these guys, I, they all had a poker face. I had no clue. So I, I was just trying to break through that thing. And finally I did. And it took a lot of effort. And finally there was some interaction. So listen to this. Right after that, some people from the church, the same frozen chosen, invited me for lunch to their house. And I did. I came. And all of a sudden, I, I've seen a little bit of more real picture of them. They were more real, less plastic. Because their heart was in it. They were barbecuing. <laughs> and then we ate. And then we went to the basement. And they said, hey, did you know that the soccer World Cup is on? We're going to watch it. Are you going to watch it with us? I said, yeah. And I went. And I started watching the game. And all of a sudden, I've seen these people worshiping wholeheartedly. They were sitting. They were sitting at the edges of their seats. And they go, oh, 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 oh yay! You know, your, your body has a hard time lying to the world what you worship. Your face has a hard time lying to people what you really love or don't love. You hear me? Awesome. <laughs> So, Dennis, where are you leading us? I'm leading you to understand that there's no condemnation if you feel passionate about something in this life. This is awesome. But if you don't feel as passionate about God in your life, this is not awesome. Something's wrong. You got a wrong picture of God in your life. That's what I'm trying to tell you, I guess. Because God is so good. He's so good. Just a glimpse of his goodness would melt your heart and will make you want to jump and yell and scream and sing, whatever. So, so to understand the spiritual significance, and again, guys, I'm birthing this message right now. I kind of have some notes, and I jump into that every once in a while. I have some scriptures, a bunch of the scriptures I haven't even submitted to our media guys, so like, just bear with me, all right? So I want to bring you all the way back. To the very beginning, why worship is so important. You see, the whole world, to understand the spiritual significance of praise and worship, you need to remember, and for some of you, you need to learn that the whole world actually has gone wrong and broken. How many of you realize this world is a dark and broken place? Do you know why it's dark and broken place? It is dark and broken place because... The whole world has gone wrong and broken when the original design of praise and worship was derailed. Have you thought about it? So you watch the news and you think how bad things are. Do you know if you trace it back, it brings you to the point when worship went wrong. And that's what happened in every human's life. I guarantee that if you know some messes, your personal messes in your life, if you trace it back, there is something that the worship has gone wrong in your life. And it's, it's fixed through the gospel. It's fixed through the gospel. In original design, every part of creation, every living creature, every created finite human or non-human entity 
was to receive their value and their worth from the only uncreated infinite source of all goodness and value, God. That's how you stay alive, by being connected to the source of life and recognizing the source and adoring it and praising it and worshiping it and then flowing this, this flow of life into the, into the universe. That's how we were designed and created. You know what happened? Somebody once decided that, no, that's not a good plan. I'm going to be autonomous, self-sufficient, finding value, and, and a significance in myself. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, he was determined to prove the universe that he is such thing. Who am I talking about? Lucifer, Satan. Do you know that the very first person in the history of the universe who felt significantly and severely underappreciated is Satan. If you detect this sense in you, run! That's, that's diabolic. That's devilish. That's the influence of the spirit that is not of God. And the way to shift that, the way to reverse that, is praise and worship. It's praise and worship. I'm kind of go, go running ahead of myself. So, how we time, time wise? We're good. So, for those of you who are not very biblically literal, you can write down these passages. I'm not going to turn to them. You can study them at home. There are two passages of Scripture in the Old Testament that describe in prophetic language the fall of Satan. This is the origin of evil in this world. And it's found in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses from 12 to 17. It begins to speak about the king, but then it goes on deeper. And it describes the very time of the fall of Satan. So, yeah, in this church, if you're too progressive, I'm sorry. But Neil and I, we believe in the real existence of personal evil. We believe in a creature that is referred as Satan or devil in the Bible. The devil in the Bible. And we believe in demons. They're real. They oppress people. They drive people to all kinds of they hate. They're full of hatred and destruction. How did it happen? That's a mystery, mystery of evil. It happened when the first one of them decided to be self-sufficient and derive and, 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 and attract praise and worship to himself. <clears throat> In another passage for those who take notes, it's Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 and 15. And again, I'm not going to go there. You can do it. You can study it on your own at home. So just telling you again that all evil came into this world as a result of worship gone wrong. So by the time Jesus comes to, to this earth, the devil is the same. I'm going to read Matthew 4, <clears throat> 8 through 9, and it says, Again, devil took him to a very high mountain. This is the story of Jesus' temptation. Those of you who remember, you remember. It says that the devil took Jesus to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Do you see how important praise and worship for Satan is? Do you realize that? He fights 
for your attention, recognition, your worship ultimately. That's his currency. That's his fuel. He seeks worshipers. You know who are the biggest worshipers of Satan? Self-seeking agatists. That's we all are sometimes, right? So we need deliverance from that. And it happens when we learn to, to take our eyes off ourselves and not to look at the things that, uh, that try to capture our attention, but rather put our eyes on the source of all good things. That's worship. So, and I'm, I'm not going to go there, guys. If you want to see how the decay and the downward spiral of degradation of human beings began, it's described fully in the book of Romans in chapter 1. Actually, I'm going to read one or two verses. Romans 1, 21, 20 through 31. I'm going to read just a couple of verses there. Paul writes, for although they, people in general, knew God, they could recognize him as God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. That's actually the result of worship gone wrong in your life. Your mind, my mind, our minds become futile. They became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And since, verse 28, can we have it? Do we have it? If we don't, that's fine. If verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And if you continue to read, he begins to list all kind of things, horrible things that fill person's hearts, minds, emotions, and drive them to do horrible things to other people. How in the world did hell broke loose in this world? Exactly like this. Being disconnected from the source and acting and worshiping everything and everyone but not God. But I want to tell you something else, something cool. So you see that Satan seeks worship, right? You've noticed that from the story of Jesus' temptation and from the story of your life experience. You know, today... I was thinking the other day, we live in a generation that has never existed before as far as the amount of information that is just poured upon us every single day. What is it doing? It's getting your attention. You begin to look at things that, that you consider to be important and significant and your heart begins to turn this way. And the agenda is to fill you with fear. And anxiety. What is fear? Fear is the opposite of faith. Just like through faith, God begins to become real in your life and come into this world through you. Through fear, Satan comes into this world through you. I'm sorry that I'm bringing you some unpleasant news, but this is the reality of the spiritual world. It's not just psychology. So John, but the cool thing is, although Satan seeks worshipers, God seeks worshipers. He actively seeks worshipers. John 4, 20, 24, famous conversation of Jesus with Samaritan woman. And her life is a mess. 
Her life is a mess. If you don't know this story, study this story, study the background. Her life is a mess. She's, re she's a reject. Nobody wants to talk to her. She had like five husbands and currently she lives with a man who is not even her husband. And it's a disgrace in that culture. And Jesus talks to her. And he begins to speak to her. And she begins to realize, oh my goodness, he's a prophet. He knows things about me that nobody told him. He just knows them somehow. And she immediately turns to spiritual matters. She begins to ask about worship. And she says, I see that you're a prophet. Chapter uh, 4. Uh, I'll just read it. I don't know whether we have it on the screen or not. And she said, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Which one is right? And Jesus said to her, woman... Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, listen to these words, will you worship the Father? Will you, he's not talking about Jews, he's not talking about her converting into Judaism. He's saying it doesn't really matter, Jerusalem or this mountain, this tradition, that tradition. But you will know God, not as God anymore. You will know God as your Father. You will know God, not just as God, but as your Father. And you will be able to worship Him. For real, in truth, in spirit and truth. And he continues... But the hour is coming, in verse 23, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, true worshipers will worship God. No, he says, will worship the Father. Will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father, listen, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Wow. I almost never seen that before. I mean, I've seen it many times. But like, she brings the matter of worship and he immediately talks about the Father. And he says, you will be worshiping the Father soon. What Father was he talking about? He was talking about his Father. He was the only one at that moment who really, really knew God as his Father as his papa, as his daddy, as his Abba in Hebrew. He, he, he spoke to Jewish people, Pharisees and uh, uh, what, Sadducees. He said, like, you don't know him. You call him father, but you don't know him as the father. Only the son knows. But he has come so that this, this intimate knowledge of God as the Father would become ours. So I know, I know, guys, that having God as our Father does not negate His infinite almighty power and wisdom. But we can only be these true worshipers that seek, that He seeks if He truly becomes our Father. That's the secret of heartfelt worship. You don't worship almighty, infinite, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent being out there. You worship your papa. You worship your papa that you know is your papa. You're confident in his love. There's absolutely nothing in the universe that can separate you from this love. 
and you recognize that your dead works as a God of the universe. Wow. It's like, I don't know, I'm like, I never met my biological father, so I don't know what it feels like, but can you imagine like knowing your dad intimately as one who loves you so, 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 so much, and then one day discovering he's the president of the country or something like this. That's a very pale example. That's the secret of true heartfelt worship when you know God as Papa. How can you know God as Papa? Because you got to get rid of religious crap and embrace the gospel of unconditional love of the Father manifested and revealed through Jesus Christ. And some of you need to forget about everything. Some of you just need to sit on your blessed assurance and just receive and receive and receive and receive and receive the love of the Father. Because the secret is, it doesn't matter how well I can preach to you that you should, to do, you should do this or that. You are not able, according to the Bible, you're not capable to love God well. Okay? Just already admit it. You can only love God well when you receive God's love first. That's the only way. Your love is always a response to the love of God. That's why the author of the book of Song of Songs says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. We should sooner or later get to the point when our prayer would become, Lord, kiss me. <laughs> I need that. I'm dead today. I hate everybody. Kiss me. <laughs> you need that. We all need that. That's the heart. That's the essence of your relationship with God. Oh, that's not religion, guys. So, I only have five minutes to share, but like, so once again, I want to tell you, true worship is not produced by fearful acknowledgement of God's power. Demons believe and are trembling. That's not worship. That's not worship. Abba, Father, that's worship. Oh, you're so good, Lord. You're so good. So briefly, I'm coming back to the end of my message because I need to wrap it up before musicians come. Ah. Who are going to help us to worship today. Who are going to help us to worship Papa, God, Daddy. Oh, Lord Jesus, our brother, ushered us into this eternal family of God. I'm so glad there is a distance. I would spit on you if you were closer. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, guys, those of you who only know religion, you need to receive Jesus just even privately today, or come to one of these guys and say, I've never received Jesus. I've never received relationship, covenant with God. I only heard about religion. Or just say, Jesus, I need you. Let's do it together right now, out loud. Repeat after me. Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart. Reveal the Father to me. May God my Papa. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving my sins and filling my heart with your spirit. Make me a worshiper. Amen. All right, guys. Okay, I want to tell you that true heart worship. Ah, gosh, I have so much to share and I only have like three minutes. I'll just tell you two things. If you want to see changes, drastic 
serious changes that only God can produce. If you want to see darkness that infiltrated your life in some areas, driven out, learn to stop and recognize God. Not your problem, not the darkness that is trying to invade, but God and worship Him in the middle of this situation. Just stop. Uh, money, our praise and worship leader has a daughter. Her name is Selah. You know what Selah means. It's a strange sign that I inserted in the book of Psalms. That's another great book to learn how to praise and worship, the book of Psalms. Read it on, in your own private time. But there's every once in a while in a psalm, there's a flow of words recognizing God's goodness or your trouble and your problems. But then there's a Selah. It's a Selah. It's some kind of a sign. It's Scholars still argue what it means, but most agree that it's a, it's a time to stop, to take a pause, meaningful pause, to recognize God, to acknowledge God, to acknowledge His presence, and to begin to worship Him. And that is a warfare so we're not called to like oh, struggle and fight the enemy no we're, we're, we're every time we see enemy active we're called not to look at him intently but rather say hey I see you you're not hiding I'm gonna do something about it God where are you in this situation oh there you are there you are God you know what it does it shuts the enemy's mouth and it drives him out. It kicks his butt. Seriously. You know, guys, you can go, and I, I believe in Christian counseling and I believe in uh, education, I believe, but there's a thing that is called breakthrough. It's just unexplainable. You're in the middle of thick darkness, but somehow, you do that thing that we call praise and worship. You, you, you pause. You do sail a moment. Then you begin to recognize God. You let this bubbly praise come to your mouth. And you begin to declare and sing and say the goodwill of God in this situation. And all of a sudden, you're not depressed anymore. And all of a sudden, not only changes take place in your heart and in your mind, but also you begin to to see changes in your circumstances. God is not just a God of psychology. It's not just a God who calms down your mind. He changes circumstances. He heals people. He restores people. Two days ago, I interviewed a person whose daughter was diagnosed with autism. And I've never heard of cases when people would be healed from autism. It's official diagnosis. And she was sharing tears when she said, God led her to pray for her daughter one night the daughter was asleep, and she, uh, she, she reached out. She started praying for her daughter. And all of a sudden, the daughter began to speak with a, like, deep man's voice. She was calm. She was not manifesting wildly. But the, the next morning, and she kept praying. She was scared first. Then she continued to pray because evil is real. Amen. Evil spirits are real. They're hiding. They don't want you to know that they're there, but they are there. The same way angels are real. And you know it says those who worship God, angels come. 
Those who worship God, the presence of God comes and changes things around. So this, this lady prayed and she said, the next day, she said, I will never forget this moment when my daughter Luba, her name is Luba, Lubasha, she was in the hallway, she looked at me, and for the first time, I saw that she sees me. She was out of this cocoon that she was before. She was released. Her mother did not agree. She did not agree with the darkness that surrounded that little girl. She was praising God. She was praising, worshiping God. That's why it's never a waste of time when you put your heart into worship and praise. There's something's happening. Something's happening. Okay, I think I'll finish right here. And this, I think it's a good candidate for us to start worshiping. But most of all, I want to encourage you to do those Salem moments in your private life. Because here, it's... it's, it's uh, there is a cumulative effect. There is an atmosphere. But sometimes at your home, when children are going nuts, or whatever the, whatever the attack you might be under, fight with your worship. Fight with your praise. You don't fabricate. You just acknowledge the reality of God. And God honors that and comes in. There's a psalm. I'm going to read the psalm just right as we begin to worship. Uh, let me find it. Psalm 24, 7, 10. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. What are the gates? What are the ancient doors? These are your hearts. These are your hands. This is your voice. These are the eyes of your heart. Lift them up. Lift them up. And the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts is the King of glory. Hallelujah. Let's, let's worship. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.